Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where everyday topics and everyday people come together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Beautiful Butterfly Show with your host, Bianca Fly. Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. want to say happy Tuesday to you guys. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, you guys. I know we 17 days into the new year, so hopefully you are starting off on the right note and a great note and making 2017 all that you want it to be and more, you guys. And of course, as always, the Beautiful Butterfly Radio Show is brought to you by no other than YRN1328, uh, where you can be heard internationally, folks. So you've been heard all over the world from um, Africa uh, to D.C. to Philly uh, to the U.K., all over. Uh, you guys can be heard over here on the Beautiful Butterfly Radio Show. So big shouts out to YRN1328. And, of course, you guys can download our app. Um, to your phone where you can listen to all of the awesome shows that we offer on the platform. And, of course, you guys, I'm excited. I told you that 2017, we're kicking off great notes with some great guests. And uh, tonight uh, we have author of To Live and Die in L.A., Parts 1 and Part 2, and a whole bunch more uh, books as well. Uh, Author Terry Roten is in the building, you guys. He's hailing from California, that West Coast love. You guys know I love the West Coast. You know, I feel like I should have been born there for some reason, but I don't know. But anyway, of course, he's joining us on the show tonight, you guys. He's going to share his story uh, with us and all those great things, and and he is all another person I say is always out here grinding. He's trying to help others, um, you know, be great and be great at what they do. So I'm excited about having him on the show tonight, you guys. So if you're out there, you got a question or a comment from him, or you just want to call in and show him some love, feel free to do that. Uh, the number is three four seven three two six nine one three nine is the number, of course, that you can call in and participate. So I'm not going to delay any longer, you guys. I'm going to bring the man of the hour on here. Terry, you there? 
Yes, how you doing? How you doing, Bianca? How you doing? I am I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm blessed. I can't I can't complain right now. Wonderful, wonderful. Well thank you for coming out and hanging out with me for a little bit today. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So for the folks out there um who may not know who you are, tell them a little bit about who is Terry Roten. Uh, my name Arthur Terry Roten. Well, Terry Roten. I'm from uh, Los Angeles, California. I'm the author of To Live and Down L.A., To Live in L.A. Part Two, Natural Born Killers, um, Girl I Had Enough, Boy I Had Enough. I have a host of books. I'm also the publisher of <laughs> No Breaks Publishing, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is a publishing company um, out here towards the West Coast, and um, we specialize in um, urban urban books, street lit, and hip hop fiction. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, mostly basically, I'm also an entrepreneur. I own a couple of bookstores out here in Los Angeles too. But basically, I'm, I'm more known for my books. Wonderful, wonderful. And of course, um, I, I came across you first of all, of course, on social media. But um, I, I saw a story on you where you, where you talked about <clears throat> your time um, being incarcerated and some of the choices that you made, you know, early on. Uh, in your youth, and so for you, walk through us a little bit of that about um, you know that time where you know things were just you know going I guess going left, and and how did you uh, make it through that process of of being incarcerated and now being out and and being an entrepreneur? Well, I started off um, in the streets. It was more like out, like out west, especially like in California. You know, they consider that like right. home of the, of the gangbang or home of the Crips and Bloods. Right. Or that's where the right. Crips and Bloods really originated before it became um, mm-hmm. internationally like um, gang gangs and stuff. So um, right. I was really born and raised into it, like per se, and like you know certain mm-hmm. certain certain instances. If you was born around doctors and lawyers, nine times out of ten. That's what you're gonna to strive to be. Just so happened, I was born in an environment where it was gang heavy, and just so happened at the, at a young age, I decided that, um, that's what I wanted to partake in. And I found mm-hmm. out the hard way that everything glitter and gold. And um, I thought, you know, seeing these guys with the nice cars, fancy cars, and gold chains, and I thought that's the life I wanted to live until I realized mm-hmm. I got in it. And at the age of 14, the judge sentenced me uh, to over a decade in prison. And I had already mm. been shot six times and stabbed in prison and race racial riots wow. and stuff like that. So it was more right. of the point um, while I was in um, Pelican Bay Shoe. I had I had uh, caught a battery on a peace officer while I was incarcerated, and they mm. gave me five years in the shoe term after the um at, and plus a DA referral. And that's when I realized, right. like, man, I, I'm I'm getting tired of being in prison. I don't want to live like this. And I just started reading a lot. While I was in shoe because the shoe is a segregated housing unit, which they call a subterranean, they call that the hole. And so you you in the cell 24 hours a day. Every other day you come out the cell just to shower for about 10 to 15 minutes. So you in the cell by yourself. Then with me still being a minor at the time when I called my shoe turn, mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't have no celly. So I was in the cell for five wow. years straight by myself. So it was either I was wow. mentally stronger or mentally weaker, mm-hmm. and that's when I started just right. like I told myself like I'm not getting off none of the psych meds or none of that. I'm I'm gonna be mentally stronger, and I just started writing books like just to pass time and, and books since I couldn't have no no TV or none of that in my cell, and it was just me in right. isolation. 
like my books became my movies and by the time I looked up one year then passed, me being isolated by myself two years and that was the way I just entertained myself. Mhm. And that's and, how that and, all came. And, and and being incarcerated for those as you say, those first five years by yourself, <clears throat> how do you think you came from not de- being depressed because sometimes p- recent people that I've talked to who have been incarcerated, you know, talk about, you know, there are periods of time where some people get really, truly, truly depressed, you know, when they don't know, you know, how they're going to make it through that sentence. And so for you, like, how did you kind of keep your head above water to say, you know what, I got to stay focused, you know, in order to make it out of here? Well, like with me really, like it was, it was a, a depressing environment within itself. So, right, like, it was times right. I'm not going to sit up here and candy coat it. Like, it was times I sat in right. that thing and I was depressed. Like, it's like, man, I ain't going to never make it up out of here. But then it was times mm-hmm, I thought mm-hmm. about, like, letters from my mom and, and stuff like that, like, telling me, like, right. just stay strong. Like, I'm praying for you. Like, people praying. I had went back down on the, on, the, on, the murder, on the murder charge that I had got charged with and I got found not guilty. So it was like more more of a token that I knew I was coming home, and then like with mm-hmm. me writing and stuff, it was like it was a way to create time. Then I, I just started reading, like you know, you, it's a saying like that 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 you have to inherit in prison to get by. And the saying is they can have your body, but they can't have your mind. Right. And 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 I posted on my on one of my social medias not too long ago. Dude, he in the prison cell, but he's outside the prison cell, and it's like he he had a beach somewhere. And that's how you got to wow. start doing it because other than that, the walls will start talking to you and, 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 and you will start really losing it. So I told myself, like, I got more to live for than just prison. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And then, like, truthfully, it was like a growing point. It was, it's, it's a point in a boy's life where he become a man. And, it, like like I say, that wasn't my first five years. That was really my last five years. My first five years, I was just in prison, like, acting up, gang banging, like living up, trying to live up to my rep and my name and, and my street fame mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it, it went by so right. fast. But that, after that fifth year, that's when I started to say, man, it's, I don't want this. Like, man, I've been here too long. Like, I want to go home. I, somebody, I need to get home and I need to stay home. And and I just start like, just start saying a better, like, some just flashed in my head, like, kind of hard to explain. Like, some people get it, and then some people never do get it. I realize, like, even, like, I got older, let's say, um, homeboys or older associates that that still caught up in the street life, and they could old enough to be my father, probably old enough to be almost my grand, my grandfather's age, and they just, they, the, the light ain't popped on. Sometimes it's just a light that pop on. I don't, I don't know, right. like, I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And and do you think, like, because you mentioned, you know, growing up in a certain type of an environment, and so do you think that kind of played a heavy role on you? Because I don't think, you know, and I always, being, being in North Carolina and, and, I, and live, I've lived in Georgia, and so a lot of times when I hear gang activity, I always say these people have no idea <laughs> what gang life is about. You know, they, they need to take a trip. You know, to to the West Coast to to see like what it's truly truly about. And so, do you feel like growing up, you know, in that type of environment, like there there was no other option besides, you know, turning to the negative. Do you think you had the option to, you know, seek something positive and not get involved in stuff? I mean, well, I lie and say I didn't because truthfully, I believe right. in, in every turn there's some kind of light. Like I believe, like, right? 
you could be in the darkest place in your life, and but you could you it's some kind of it's some kind of light. I believe in Absolutely. every bad there's some kind of good. So and, and and but at that time at that at that at that mind state and that age I was in, I wasn't looking. Right. I wasn't looking for the for the maybe like like you said if I would have had that that somebody reach out to me like in the forms of what I'll be trying to do with some of my, with some of the youth right. that I try to keep around me today um, right. and show them. But at that point in time in your mind frame, when you caught up, see, it's a point in time, see, my, I was a kid. So it's a point in right. time in, in, a, in a child's life where he goes through identity crisis. And you got to be able to look at that mm-hmm. child and say, is mm-hmm. he just really destined to be a gangster or is he just going through identity crisis? And and I, that's how right. I evaluate like myself when I'm trying to reach out and help the kids. See, I was destined to be a gangster because it was in my mind, right. like it was in my head, like I was already knew this is what I wanted to do. Like, like I've been seeing like wow. all my family up 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 and in and, and even the bad stuff that came without it. And like I say, like truthfully, it it, it, it a lot. I, I have an argument with people about this. Like, I, um, mm-hmm. if gangs gangs is not bad, and, and don't mm-hmm. don't miss don't. I know people probably listening probably say, "What you mean, my gang is not bad?" <laughs> gangs are not bad because what, what the thing of it is, gangs just have negative, negative thoughts and contributes. We, we, now we were thinking positive as in the form of, let's say, a, a fraternity. A fraternity to me right. is just like a gang, but they got positive right. thoughts, positive vibes, positive energy they putting out into the universe. So right. gangs, if we was to think positive, all the black males and black sisters that's in gangs, if they was to turn that negative energy and think positive, guess where the gang would be? A gang would be like a fraternity. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but in reality, like, I don't think, I think gangs are bad because the the, the negative energy that, that's coming up within and the negative thoughts and the processing. Right. But if we, right. were talking, if we was to convert gangs into the positive energy and teaching Okay, just for example, my whole philosophy, if I could turn everybody in my gang and show them, like, look, we could do this positive. We could start making movies about how, how, how the struggle we live out here. We could start doing this. And everybody doing that, guess what happened? Our gang just became a positive movement. It ain't negative no more. <laughs> now our gang, is, our gang is giving back. Our gang is showing, our gang, our gang is, our gang is showing something whole different from, from, from the negative input, especially with the media and stuff, but in reality, if you think about it, like going back to what you said about how, how mm-hmm. gangs and widespread and you tell people to go to the West Coast, it'll be the same thing. Mm-hmm. The positive impact, impact will make it where everybody will be wanting to do what this gang is doing, the positive. Right. But So the bad thing right. about gangs is is that our, 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 our state of mind. Right, right, absolutely. And, and you mentioned about you know speaking to youth, and now, um, Terry, you know it, it's so much that has taken place um, over the years. You know, now we got social media, uh, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, Snapchat, you name it. You got so many social media outlets, and, and you got you know music. The music out here has changed a little bit. How do you encourage the youth? Um, you know, not to get caught up, you know, in, in as you mentioned earlier, in in the glitter, you know, thinking that okay, if I live this fast life, it's going to lead to me having all this money and and this and that and a third. How do you try to inspire and encourage them not to go down the path um, that you had to go down? Well, see, it all fall back into what I said. Like, you got to be able to look at a child and know if they're going through identity crisis or or if they just mm. need help. Or if they right, just right. gangsters, like 
Like certain kids, I just look at them, be, they got to go through that. They have to go through that trial and tribulation of learning. This is not, if some wake up, some don't. And and that's life. Like, I'm sorry to say, in reality, like I was one of those kids, I had to go through that. Like, I believe prison is the best thing that ever happened to me. And a lot of people, why, why would you say that? Like, you crazy. But prison is the best thing that ever happened to me because I started a, a crew, a, a clique in my, and, and from what the neighborhood I'm from and the gang I'm from, within our gang, we was our own gang. We called ourselves the Tiny Little Bastards. That's what To Live in L.A. Part 1 and Part 2 talk about To Live in L.A. 85% of that wow. story is based on my life story. So now, mm-hmm. to live in, now, now the Tiny Little Bastards, which was our clique, now to make a long story short, that was our that was that was that was our whole little crew, right? Right. And we was all destined to be gangsters. Now there was a couple of us that wasn't destined like that. They just grew up with us and they mm-hmm. fell in, but really they fell out. But what I say by right. why I say prison is the best thing that ever happened to me. Now out that out the, out my crew, it was probably like a hundred of us, and like now I'm out here alive and still breathing and free. It's only like one or two mm-hmm. of us, me and probably one mm-hmm. or two of my other friends that that we wow. grew up with. So nothing good came from out of it. Like I'll, I'll be feeling like even though I'm still young, um, I'm a last of a dying breed. So that was the that was the that was the um, the 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 impact of all that. Like it was nothing good came about that, and we was all destined so to be that. And the ones who wasn't somehow simmered out. You kind of get what I'm saying. And and, right, and that's how you right. gotta be with these kids or these 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 even I tell parents like you gotta look at your child and 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 know and look at them in the eyes and if you know in your soul even if you don't want to accept it that this kid is about to be a gangster you gotta help him because if you don't help him and not help him by bashing this is not what you're gonna do because if if it's in his mind he's gonna do that guess what nine times ten guess what he's gonna do he's going to do that. Because my mom right. at the at, at, my mom was the best single mom that I know, but mm. when it came to my head that this is what I wanted to do, and she tried mm-hmm. her best, even though my mom was caught up in the street and my dad was caught up in the street, what happened is it made me rebel against them, and it made me not come home. And then when I not came home, that made me have to figure out and learn the street life even more. Right. But. And after a while, then my mom adopted to him, like, I got to help my son. Okay, what I got to do? She started trying to figure out, okay, my son already in the streets. I don't want him to die out here. So as a mom, I got to figure out what I need to do to help him not die in these streets. Right. And and, 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 and most parents don't understand. They panic learning that their child is caught up in the, in, the, in, in something that they don't they, that they don't approve of, and they, and they get on this child, and this child is already destined for that. And they run that child further into the game, into the life. You kind of, it's kind of like reverse psychology. You have to use when that method, with that method, when the child is caught up. Now you look at some mm-hmm. kids. Oh, he just going through identity crisis. One day, today he want to be a gangster. Tomorrow he want to be a rapper. This day he want right. to be an artist. Okay, we know. Okay, we right. work with him. But right. then some children, you just gotta let them go through that struggle. I had to go through that struggle mm-hmm. and learn. Some people, some of them make it out. Some of them don't. And right. I'm just so happy, like I said, I was blessed to make it out. And don't get me wrong, no. I can't say make it out because I still be caught up in it. But it's mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 a cycle. It's right. a cycle that you have to kick. It's like a it's like an addiction. It's like a, a crack addict. Like you just can't you just can't put crack in front of a crack addict and expect him not to hit that to hit that crack. Right. So it's, it's a cycle. You got to rehabilitate. It's, 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 the street life is an addiction within itself, and a lot of people don't understand that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, once again, you guys, we are on with Arthur Terry Roten, you guys, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back with more, you guys. I see a lot of you guys are definitely um, digging his interview tonight, so don't be afraid. You can call in and talk to him live. The number is 347-326-9139. Now you have to just press 1, and we'll bring you on the line, you guys. So we're going to take a little break. And uh, we're going to come back, you guys, with more right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? This is Lyrics Brown, author of the Law to the Hustle series 1 and 2, also author of the Devil's Calling Card 1, 2, and 3, all available on Amazon. And when I'm not writing, I'm listening to Bianca Fly here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Y'all be easy. Trent Williams of www.taylorkennedymedia.com Chapter of the Delta gives us a peek at his life-changing events. And if that's not enough, Trent tells you more about his brothers and his life through memoirs in his book, The Four Horsemen. His blogs and daily stimulating quotes are published in his book, Life's Little Addiction. And when you have a need of some human coaching of life and relationships, Take a look at Conversations with Trent, Volume 1 and 2, and Conversations with Trent, Limited Edition. You will find his work available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all online book retailers. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly, and we are on with Arthur Terry Roten this evening, you guys, and we have been uh, discussing his journey uh, through life before uh, he created his own uh, destiny, you guys, and that's his uh, publishing company entitled No Breaks. And so tell the folks out here, Terry, how did No Breaks um, actually come about? What did, what did the thoughts and, and the vision for actually come about? Uh, no breaks honestly came back how we was talking about like the whole negative attributes of gangs and and mm-hmm. my my prior lifestyle of how what I really led and you know how I right. just was you know an active gang member so like the gang right. I was in we used to like my crew we used to always stand like moving with no breaks so that was like mm. part of our crew like we was reckless with no breaks like moving with no breaks we didn't care we was full flat active we gave all our energy to this gang and what we had to do and did what we did with no breaks. I said, right. in prison, I knew, like, okay, so when I was leaving, by the time I to get out of prison, I was coming, by this time, the books that I written, I told you I was in school. So I, I said, when I want to start my own publishing company, because the West, it ain't any publishing company, it ain't no authors out, all of them in books, our books, we live books, are from the East. Every book that we have comes from my wife, hard job. There was no way author. So I said, come up with my own. Your, um, at that time, your phone couldn't um, in and out, Terry. was, was studying in prison where I told myself, 
I'm on. Um, but I don't to start. I signed with while I was in. I ended up while I was in. So cause up as much knowledge as I like at that time. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you, my past like do get what I to get by and like 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 sales and just stuff like so. It's called buddy stuff stuff. So if I can, yeah, I'm publishing for my. I'm not a public, you know, man, I do it. Terry, you West Coast authors. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a, um, a name for the company. So I said, mm-hmm. damn, everywhere I go within prison, like the homies, you know, we still, we still in touch. I'm still in touch. I'm not going to get on here and say that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't messing with my homeboys, my, my gang or none of that while I was in prison. So we start with, say, moving mm-hmm. no breaks. So I, all right, homie, no breaks. So we just start saying no breaks, no breaks, moving, no breaks. I'm sitting in the cell. I said no breaks. Matter of fact, we gonna all gas, no breaks. This publishing, we about to take over the world with this, with all gas, no breaks. No matter what, we we going full throttle with it. We ain't stopping. Can't nobody stop us. And, and they gonna hear us authors on the West Coast. And that's how I felt. So that's where no breaks came from. So I took some negative, and like I said, and turned it to a positive. Where I said the whole the whole um, game. Where I tried to get at the, mm-hmm. the um, theory about gangs turning from negative into positive, so that's where the whole right. thing come from. No breaks, publishing because that was something that I used to push in my younger days. Moving with no breaks, mm-hmm. we was going all gas, um, no breaks and full throttle. With that, on the negative aspect, mm-hmm. I said if I put this positive movement and I'm gonna go all gas, no breaks the same way because whatever I do in life, I feel I give it my all, and, wow. and that's how no breaks. And, publishing. And- and one of the questions um, we have from a listener, um, Derek, he wanted to know, once you once you uh, were no longer incarcerated, did you find yourself having to kind of separate yourself from some of the, maybe some of the older people that you used to hang, hang around with when you did get in trouble? So did you kind of have to kind of, you know, disassociate uh, with certain people or were you able to just go back with, with no issues? No, it was yeah, yeah. See, the crazy part about it, this, this, which a lot of people gonna laugh at me about. Um, mm-hmm. After during my ten and a half years, and I did all that preaching that I'm not coming back to prison, I ended up right mm-hmm. back in prison uh, um, about a year or two later for a gun charge. Wow. Um, so wow. I had to learn that I was still rattling the fence. See, one thing about addiction, it ain't easy to mm-hmm. kick. Like I told y'all, the streets right. is just an addiction. It ain't mm-hmm. easy to kick. So. And then I'm going back. I have to parole. See, the system puts you back into the it puts you back into the bucket that you came. They put you right back in that mm-hmm. hole. So I had mm-hmm. to parole and and to where I came from. So they put a crackhead back in the in, in the crack house and, and left the dope right there next to him for him to keep smoking. And that's what happened to me. They put me back in my environment because they told me I couldn't go nowhere because I'm on parole and they gotta watch me. They gotta monitor me for three years. And since this is where I call my crime at, this is where I need to go back at. That's why the recidivism rate is so high. People re reenter back to prison so high because they put them back into an environment where all they know. And if all they know is to go right. go get it how they live, they ain't got no outside resources but from what they know. And that's what happened. I went back to my same environment and got back under my friends and by the time I looked up I'm back partying, I'm back hanging, I'm back thugging. And I'm back carrying a gun on my waist because I, I had a name for myself. And next thing mm-hmm. I know, I'm on parole still, and the police could pull me over. They could do whatever they want when you when you still a number, and I'm back in prison. So to answer the question, it, it wasn't hard, but see, now that I'm out, 
I had to reevaluate myself as a man. I still associate with some of my friends, my old friends or some mm-hmm. of my old associates, mm-hmm. but I got to know as a man, I got to have discipline. I can't be right. in the hood on the block. I got to lead a block. I got to come. I got to, I got to, I got to know idle time is the devil's workshop. So I have right. to understand that I got kids. I, I, I got, I got other bigger things. And if, and if a person, your true friend, he going to tell you, yeah, man, it's not for you. You want some other stuff. Let's, let's ride with you for this. Because at the same token, on the same token, they got a post that they be posting. I just posted uh, um, about jail earlier. A person could say, and I don't excuse my French. A person could say, "Oh, you my boy, you my you my aunt, you my nigga, you my boy," but in reality, and I ride and I kill for you. And, and, and but with that same person, you a ride and kill for gonna be at that court date with you after you ride and kill for him. You ain't gonna see him in court. Mm. Is that person gonna send right. you a suit? No. So in reality, I had to I had to man up and tell myself like, look. It's either me, or see the my kids, or see the this, or see the that, and I and and, and, and it ain't it ain't it, it's only hard if you don't know how to discipline yourself. But as a man now, I'm disciplining myself. See, I, I was a kid back then, and, I, and when I go through them kid stages, sometimes, like I said, it's addiction. So 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 to make a long story short, it's like yes and no. You just gotta have discipline. You gotta discipline yourself. It's like temptation. And and that's interesting because, you know, a lot of times I I would assume most people don't think that, wow, that you could be um, addicted, you know, to to being out there. But I I, I can understand it, you know, being out there and you're used to doing what you please, you know, get what you want, you know, and and going right back out there towards that temptation, you know, it's easy to, to get sucked in and so forth. And so now, now you're out, how does Terry keep from going back? How do you strive every day to keep from going back to where you were? Well, what a, the good thing that I can say, like, now I got blessings in my life. Now I got people mm-hmm. who depend on me. See, back then mm-hmm. I didn't have no dependence. I didn't have nothing to lose. I didn't care. So nowadays okay. I got a lot to lose, and I got a lot. Of, I got two little girls and a little boy who look up to me. At the end of the wow. day, all they know is, is daddy. All they know all they know right. is, 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 is daddy going to make it home tonight. So... Like, I remember, like, even not even on the gangsta, I remember just like, man, my crew, we used to be so wild, we'd go get a stolen car and be doing 100, down, 100 miles per hour down the residential street, don't care. Now I get in the car, wow. if the person going to slip, slow down, bro, I got to get home with my kids. <laughs> like, so, so, so. so yeah, so, yeah. So now I like, it's, it's about, I understand life now. I understand that yeah. life is a beautiful thing. And I also mm-hmm. understand, like, like I say, like not letting them go to the next level. Like with no breaks, it, it, it's starting to get so big. Whereas I got authors who 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 remind me of me, and even though I'm only a few years older than them, or 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 they a few years older than me, they still they still respect me and and believe in me so much to let me to let me guide them in their career and they path of probably helping them better their life and, and support their kids. So it's like right. I got too much to lose to let everybody down. It's just like, for example, you have me on your show. That means you see something in me where it says, Terry got something. And if I was to fall back right. in, this, in this situation, it's like, damn, I let you down too. Right, right. And, and for you, um, and, speaking, and speaking of you having a son, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of things that definitely have, have been going on um, in the news, in the media, when it, when it comes to just our black men in general. So what kind of things um, do you share uh, with your son, um, and what advice 
what advice do you give fathers out here who have sons on raising a son in America here in, in 2017? Well, like like the best advice I could give them is just you got to raise your child with the, the gift of understanding. And the gift of understanding means you have to tell your child, first of all, being a black man is, is you at the bottom of the totem pole. Being a black man, mm-hmm. even though we had a black president, is one of the hardest things to do in the world. Not just mm-hmm. America, in the world. In America, just make it harder because we're at the bottom of the total floor. But being that you have lilin in your skin, even like in Australia, they don't they don't call them they don't call them Australians. They call them Aboriginals. So it's something different. You kind of get a, it's just something about that lilin. So yeah. you just say America, but in reality, just being a black human, a a a a, 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 a person of lilin in a system is 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 already um I guess. You, since you the since you since you the dominant figure, you already lift up on down downwardly because they already think you're superior. But not even to touch on that type of stuff. Like I tell my son, like in reality, like you gotta understand, like you you against all odds. And when you right. against all odds, it's because a few years ago our women was against it. Now our women surpassed our us males because, and, and this might sound crazy, but I'm gonna say in the inner cities, women's surpassed our male because now they're getting equal rights and now our black women is is, is the roles and switch where these guys feel they the feel they the women and the, and the women feel they the men. I don't understand it, but if you if you look at it, that's that's what's really happening out here. And 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 and, and the point probably being is because you know we we didn't got caught up in these cycles of what this fast life, looking at these celebrities and think that's the life that we want to live and all that shit and and all this crazy stuff where we getting records. It's hard to get jobs and our and, us, and them sisters, our sisters getting these books and they ain't scared to go to school and they ain't scared to get out their comfort zone and they striving and they building and that's just the, let's say the strong black woman. So in reality, the sisters getting the good jobs and all that stuff. Where, 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 the, where the black males, we either we either getting we either getting reincarcerated, we 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 killing each other, we dying, the police killing us, and it's like it's it's it's, it's a lose lose battle for us. So as a as a black man, all, as a black man to the next black man or to my son, I just had to tell him off top, you fighting an uphill battle. Only thing you can do, son, is strive and keep striving for betterment. That's the only thing I, I'll be able to say, to be honest with you. And it's the choices you make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a caller on the line here, area code 346, last digit 629, uh, excuse me. State your name and where you're calling from. My name is Reginald. I'm calling from Houston, Texas. How are you doing this evening? We're doing good, Reginald. We are on with Arthur Terry Rowan. You got a, a question or comment for him? Well, I'm sitting here in the studio, and I felt like my head was about to explode listening to this conversation for for the past 15 minutes. It's very rare that I say my age, but I will say my age. I'm 51, (laughs) and I was born and raised in South Central Los Angeles, surrounded by gangs. I grew up in that environment, had a lot of good friends that their lives were taken by gang violence, selling dope and doing other mischievous things. I think the thing that bothers me more than anything else is that the lack of accountability that we take, that we don't take on ourselves. It's very easy, and we make it very simplistic, where we say, okay, it's like knowing the game Monopoly. We know how the game is being set up. We know how the game is structured. If we already know how the game is structured, it's our responsibility to say, you know what, 
We all have a choice on what we choose to do. My thing is this. I could never comprehend why I should be afraid to live in my community, not afraid of an Anglo-Saxon, not afraid of the law enforcement. I grew up in one of the worst areas, had the worst, one of the worst law enforcement communities in the state as far as LAPD. I grew up in that environment. And I was more terrified of a brother with the same complexion as me, worried about drive-by shootings. And I said I never could understand that, why we had this kind of self-destructive mentality towards one another. I also heard you speak upon when you first, when you were released and you made a promise to yourself that you weren't going back and you got incarcerated again and, you, as you said, you made the comparison as far as being a drug fiend. I look at it from this aspect. At the end of the day, your brother listening to you, you're a very intelligent young brother. And what I would say to you is this, as I've always, and I told my son, I have a 15-year-old son, anything you do in life is about choices. We have the choice. We have a decision to make on how we choose as far as the path we choose in our life. I just wish we as black people would stop blaming Anglo-Saxons for all our problems. What takes place in our communities is our responsibility. As far as the women are concerned, women have had to play the man and the woman role because nine times out of ten, most women have to play daddy and mommy because they're being raised, right. they're raising kids in a single-parent home. So they're taking on that kind of responsibility. So they got to get out there and work. When I grew up, I had a mom and a dad married for 40 some odd years before they passed away. Mom was a homemaker. She took care of the house. Dad was out there working and making money for the household. Again, I was surrounded by gangs, but I had a choice. It was either but play you know, sports. As, go right in. Reginald, Reginald, you know, the whole thing about that, what you just said, if you're 51, right, because, I, like, I've been a gang expert, and I've talked in this field, and I've toured, like, different states, and, and you're right. But, see, the whole thing, I look at the generational gap. Within, when you your time frame of growing up, the, the 50, I mean, the 60s and the 70s, the, the black the black family was stronghold still from the civil rights movement. The black Absolutely. stronghold was the black the black family was known for a two parent household. By the time the 80s came, the the uh, Ronald Reagan era and cracks came, it divided the black family, brother. It divided the black family mm. so much. Whereas whereas you had the black male stealing from the black mother, the the black mother and the black child to provide for a crack to, to to a crack addiction that he couldn't that he couldn't kick. And get the monkey off the back. Mm. It was vice versa for the black women stealing from the black male. And it divided that black. It divided that black family. Whereas nowadays, in the era that I'm that I came up in, we was what we called the crack baby era. And we came from single parents and single mothers who really had to get out there, like you said, the roles and switch. So now the crack era didn't go on. Now there's another uh, era that's coming up under us. And whereas it's still domino effect where. That ninety percent of the black family is single parent household. Where when it was in the sixties and the seventies, when you was coming, ninety percent of the black family was a two parent household. Do you see the domino effect? And so what happened is when a, when a male don't got no uh, person of off top of the black races already, we come from where we don't have no culture. We don't know where we come from. So a, per, a male who don't know where he come from don't know where. He, so even if you don't got a father to look up to or, or a person to look up to, you're gonna look. Up, you're gonna go towards the street. There's a difference. It was a different geo back there from when you was coming up. I was coming up in this new generation. When they come in, it's going to be different from mine. You kind of get to understand that? Oh, absolutely. And I just want to respond to that as far as the Reagan era and the crack era. Here's the thing. When Ronald Reagan took office, that's when you had the Latchkey program coming in because you were forcing mothers to go out and work. Before, if you had a mother, mother was staying at home, father was able to go out 
and generate right. an income and provide for his family. But when he came into office, it took away the middle class. It was only two sectors of people. You were either rich or you were poor. So it forced, the, it forced the mother to go out in the workforce and work. So now you had the latchkey program developed. What I'm saying is, is this. At the end of the day, if you go in your kitchen and you turn on your stove, you know that stove is hot, and your son is going over there to get something out of the oven, you're already letting him know from, up, from, from Jump Street. If you go touch that stove without gloves or you're not prepared for it, you're going to burn yourself. At the end of the day, you can inform, you can teach, you can educate. But it comes down to a choice. I definitely understand what you're saying as far as the cracker. As I said, I grew up in that sector. I lost a lot of friends, a lot of good friends to that. I have friends now that have been incarcerated for over 30-some-odd years. I mean, in third-level security, maximum security. So I understand. But at the end of the day, by me growing up in that environment, I had a choice. My father passed away when I was 12 years old. So it was just me and my mother. But at the end of the day, I had a choice to make. Was I going to choose to take that path that I know that was going to end up me being another a statistic in this system, or was I going to choose to make something out of myself? And I feel as a man and as a father like yourself, you lay down, you lay down the, you're the blueprint. You're the blueprint of how your child or your children are going to turn out. Because without a blueprint, there is no strong, there's no strong foundation. Again, okay, I, now, now, I, re, I respect that. Now, listen, so if you come from a blueprint of destruction and you come from a blueprint of, of uneducated black males and women, where, where, where do you start to break the cycle at? Where do you, now, that's a damn good question. Where do you start to break the cycle? <laughs> Again, by you being educated as you are. One thing we all have in common, we know the difference between what's okay, right so, and what's okay, wrong. Listen, listen, now listen to this. You heard you said that I educate. It took me, now it took, Now this might be with God, or it might be a hard being or whatever you believe in. It might take me to go to prison to educate myself because in my, within my family trait, we are like I'm the first one that probably got a, a let's say some 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 college juniors or a, a, a high school diploma. So, right. so 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 now so when you when I say break that cycle, it also it also go back to it also go back to the key terms of what you were saying. It's choices. Some people, believe it or not, and we could say some people what we call common common sense is not common. Like like you you it might sound crazy. To a lot of people, common sense not common. So what's common to you might not be common to me. So it's it's not about. Sometimes you'll say, oh, well, you know not to burn that. You know what they say? What they um? How they say um? What they say? A, a soft, a soft, a soft. Some make a hard behind or something like that. Yeah, so I know what you mean. Uh-huh. A soft behind. Remember that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Behind. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so in the, in the, in the, in the catchphrase is some people like you say had them choices, but some people lack the knowledge of when you make. Now you might know you might know if you touch that fire, yeah, it's gonna burn your hand. But you don't know if you touch that fire, it might not only burn your hand, it might it might catch it might catch your clothes and burn everything. So you might have a little knowledge of what might happen, but some people we really taste that risk until they get into it. And like you said, it's that choice. But some people don't wait to know the whole knowledge of that. You right. probably in life and took as 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 a, as a man that's fifty one years old. I take it in life. You have you have made choices. When after you make that choice, like damn, I don't believe I did that. I knew it was some kind of repercussions, but I didn't think it was going to be this far. And that's you how know, it be sometimes, even with right. certain choices that we make. But even at a young age, like I said, like I agree with this. Everyone is different. But even at a young age, for myself, my mentality was on one thing. That was to make money and never do anything to be disrespectful to my mother 
or my father because I was instilled with values. But at the end of the day, regardless if you grew up in a one-parent or two-parent home, you still have the final choice and decision on what the path right, that so, you choose so, in your life. I, not to cut you off, but let me ask you this. So what okay. about the kids that growing up and they only, they only, they only, they only thoughts? You said your 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 thoughts was to make money and respect elder, your elderly, right? And Absolutely. So what Absolutely. about the kids coming up in today's society and they only, they only, they only thought is 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 to be in the streets, to gang bang and, and do what with with the street life, the street life. Good question. I can respond to that very so you easily. Gotta, you got to understand, like, what the, to make a long story short, like, the more what I'm getting at is the reason why a lot of these schools and a lot of these a lot of these different, um, um, let's say, charter schools and at-risk programs call me in because not only is I'm these guys' ages, I could adapt to, okay, I see where you're coming from. Now you see all these guys, you now you, your, your mom, your mom at, at work busting her butt, at work because she needs to keep this roof over your head. You come home from school, your only guidance is this YouTube. Your only guidance is this TV. Your only guidance is this radio. Now, you listen to this, you think this is life. Ooh, they got big guns. Oh, I need a big gun. Ooh, they got a lot of money. Oh, how they getting it? They said they slapping the girl. They taking the money. They robbing the bank. And guess what What? Guess what? you just filled in your head? Oh, I need, this. I need to get me a gun. I need to go slap me a girl. I need to go rob me a bank. And you gotta be able to think, even though as an elder, as an elderly man, you still could come with the concept of when you came up, you came up for a two parent household. Like I told you, it was the generation gap. Now you gotta think about to reach these kids. Now you gotta think about the gap that they living in and who you competing against that they idolizing. I I definitely understand it and I can relate because I know you have other callers calling. I, I will say this. Right now, it is it is imperative and it is much tougher for a parent to make sure that you, you are invested in your child or your children's right. upbringing because we all have to work, we all have to survive, we, we do the best that we can as a parent or parents to make sure that we are able to provide a, a, a great education for our children and giving them the best opportunity that they could possibly have to strive in this society. So that means as a parent, you're going to have to put in the extra work to make sure that you're involved in every aspect of your child or your children's life. As you said, you have YouTube. You have social media. So that means you're going to have to sit up and go that extra mile and monitor everything that they're doing. I rather for my son to say, Dad, God, you are just being so nosy. What are you doing? I rather for him to say that because then I can look back when he turns 22, 23 years old, and he's an adult, and he has his own family. You know what, Dad? I really appreciate you being involved in my life and really taking that initiative to find out who my friends are, who I'm hanging out with, and what I'm looking on, look, watching on TV or either on videos. That's the that's the problem right there. Okay, you have to okay, make the time. No, I, I know I'm, I'm not. I'm, okay, that's like a fifty-fifty because now what if I tell you with me being caught up in the street life? I know people from certain gangs who my celly, for example, he, he he got he he about to come home after doing thirty years. His mom a lawyer, his dad a lawyer, his auntie's doctors and all that. And guess what? They was on him like right on right and he'd be failed and end up getting all that time. What happened is, like I told you, sometimes you, 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 a lot of parents, especially nowadays, a lot of parents is against their child being rappers or against their, I want you to do this, I want, and you're, and you're a force your child, and, and you probably don't understand this, what I'm saying. Like, it, 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 it's, 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 let me think. It's like a, we call it the shelter mode. You can sell to your child for only so long where this child decides he want to be what he want to be in life. 
and that's just you could be the best parent and you could be the strictest parent wherever you want to be. You can be that. It's, it's that child decision. It's like you had your decision of what you want to be in life. If your if your dad if you decide if your dad was a reverend, you decide you wanted to be a reverend. That was on you. But if you decide you want to be a doctor, that was you on you. At it's a point in a child in a, a, a it's a point in time in a boy's life or a man a, a, a child's life where he goes through that identity where he's trying to find himself. Well, that's that's, that's, that's natural, and the only thing you can do as a parent is to encourage your child, be supportive of your child, but more importantly, keep the lines of communication open. Where we fall short is that when we don't keep the lines of communication open and we're not supporting, if we're not supportive of our child or our children, of course they're going to rebel. Regardless if you have two parents in the household, you give them the best education, you may love them to death, you put them in the best neighborhoods, if you are not supportive of their dreams, nine times out of ten, they're going to rebel. But at the same time, I have enough faith in a lot of our kids out there that are very intelligent. They know the difference and say, hey, look, I see how the game is being set up. Let me right. take advantage of the system to make myself a better, a better person instead of being a statistic. I just want all of us as a culture, as a people, to stop putting so much emphasis and blaming Anglo-Saxon people for all our problems. The murders that are taking place is in these inner cities like Chicago. This is not law enforcement that's coming in Chicago that are killing people. This is black-on-black crime in South I Central agree. Los Angeles, where I grew up at. It wasn't Daryl Gates and law enforcement coming into Compton, Linwood, Inglewood, South Central Los Angeles. It wasn't law enforcement. These were black Gang members killing black gang members, killing black people, innocent family members walking down the street, being in, in the front yard playing in, in the yard. Kids' lives are being taken from them, not by white people, but our own people. Saying, I'm not, I'm not, all right, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in disagreement about the, the cancer that 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 spreading over the black community in the inner cities. Right. I'm not disagreement. I'm not disagreeing with that, right? But the whole thing about it, the cancer has been the cancer has been laid. The only thing we can try to do is one 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 child at a time is try to save them and show them something different. Because the cancer, at the end of the day, all it's doing is just is multiplying. It's multiplying. So it, it's going to take one child at a time to try to change it back over. This this didn't happen. This didn't, the the black family ain't 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 didn't come single mothers and, and from a double double parent household to just single mothers or a one parent household just over time. It took years. So it's going to take years to get that cancer back up out you. I totally agree. Out of us. I totally agree. But, again, I appreciate everything that you are attempting to do as long as you stay positive and keep, and keep striving for the best. I applaud you, brother. Uh, Butterfly, thank you so much for uh, taking my call, and I wish all of you a very pleasant evening. Thank You're you, welcome. Thank, thank you so much for right. calling in. Right, God bless. Wonderful, wonderful. Great conversation. That was a great conversation. You know, a lot of people have those yes. questions, and, and so that was that was a, gr- a great conversation and dialogue I, I, to I have. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like dialogue like that. I like dialogue with yeah. people and, and, and yeah. just saying different views and point of views and understanding. Right. You know, absolutely different. See, like when I was caught up in the game, we used to call it like just regular people, like civilians, and we used to say a civilian right. never understands the mind frame of yeah. gangsters. And and uh, right. I believe uh, a gangster never understand the mind frame of a civilian. But then again, mm-hmm. in reality, if we combine them two and 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 dialogue and and and, mm-hmm. and encourage the gift of understanding, like you said, communication will win. 
And that's just Absolutely. that's just what I came Absolutely. came into. Absolutely. I loved it. And of course, um of course tonight also we can't we can't forget about um all of the uh amazing books that you wrote. So what decide what when was that moment that you decide, you know what, I wanna be a writer. And not only do I wanna be a writer, but I wanna put some of these writings um into a book so that people all over can read them. Well, well, children, like I told you, I was in I was in the shoe. I was in um, Pelican Bay shoe in, in the California mm-hmm. prison. It's like used to be like one of the worst prisons you could be in. And then I was in the shoe. Wow. I was in uh, solitary confinement, segregated housing, mm-hmm. as they call it. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided, like at that time, I think I was like seventeen, and I was telling myself, like, man, I don't want to live this shit. Like, this not the life I want to live. Like, it got life right. got to be better than this. Life gotta be. Right. I've been in this cell since I was fourteen, and I'm not telling when I'm gonna get out. And um, it gotta be better than this. So I decided, like I say, I didn't have nothing else to do. So I was reading a lot of books, and a lot of books was coming from the East Coast, and they was they the books was talking about like certain inner city um, going ons out there, what's happening within the drug trades, and oh, you got this big baller, he, he married this pretty fatigue woman, black woman, and all that, and you know, and all the the stuff that come with that. So I decided, like, I said, like, man, this this not the life. Like, we live a different life over here. We out here fighting over colors. We out here, you know, we gang banging. And 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 I want to show kids, like, like I said, everything glare that go. Like, you could pick up my book, and you might think I'm glamorizing the lifestyle of red and blue or shoot them up, bang bang. But at the end of the day, if my none of my stories don't change, if none of my characters don't change. Like my granny used to tell me when I was um, coming up and trying to game, it's only going to be two solutions. You're either going to be in jail, or you're going to be you're either going to be on a prison yard or a graveyard at an early age. Right. And that's where my characters too. So my characters don't redeem themselves and, and and try something new. That's 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 what happens. So I don't I don't grammarize the street life. I just I just speak what's going on in the street life. So I decided to give my point of view. And while I was doing it, while I was just writing, it was just something like. Oh man, it's, I could pass time. Like I got five years in here to do, and by the time I looked up, when I started writing, I was like, "Dang, man, a month went by. This is my first time being in prison, where a month went by, and this seemed like one day." Mm. I said, "Wow, like I got something to keep <laughs> my attention going, and it's something positive." So by the time I looked right. up, I was in the shoe five years, and I had twenty books I wrote. It was like, "Dang, it's, wow. I did more harder time being on mainline." The five years I was on mainline, that seemed like was harder time. And the solitary confinement time supposed to have been harder than being on mainline because I couldn't call home. I couldn't, I right. couldn't go to the yard. I couldn't go work out. All I could do was sit in the cell, in a small cell, wow. no bigger than a, than a than an eight by eight with just a toilet in the sink. Mm. So it was like I was elsewhere. I wasn't in prison. And that's where writing became my passion. Right. Wow, wow. And uh, once again, you guys, we are on with Arthur Terry wrote-in, you guys. And if you're on the line, you got a question or comment, uh, go ahead and press 1. Or if you're out there, you can call in. The number is 347-326-9139. All you have to do is press 1, and uh, it'll allow you to come on and join us on the line here, you guys. And so we've been talking about his journey. Um, through incarceration to now, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, being out here and not only uh, creating greatness for himself but for other people. And so, Terry, for you, I'm always seeing you, you know, out here like, hey, who, who, you know, basically who wants to initiate their dream today? You know, you're always asking people who wants to be an author, who has a story to tell, 
why is that so important to you to to help others, you know, aspire um, and, and get to their dreams that they have of, of telling their own personal stories? Well, um, like the one of the main reasons is because like um, at first I didn't have nobody to help me. Like I reached out to so many right. people, like, and I just knew like I got my own fingerprints, I got my own story to tell. And then mm-hmm. like I just reached mm-hmm. out, and then like um, I just kept reaching out, I just kept reaching out. So. Um, at that time, it was harder to get published because it wasn't like how it is now with ebooks and stuff like that. You have to go through like mainstream and like get your book like sent out, you know, um, sent out what they call um, what we call like the review, like a, a submission. So I had to send out a lot of submissions yeah. and stuff like that, and got rejected. Being in prison, I got rejected. I spent over like thousands of dollars just buying stuff just to send out review copies and chapters to different publishers that I thought would pick me up after getting rejected, rejected, rejected. So then, like, um, it was at one point in time, I was like, man, this, this, I was used to cuss, like, man, this shit ain't for me. Like, gangbanging is my lifestyle. This is where I'm going to be at. Like, I'm going to make a lot of money because I used to make money in the streets, too. Like, so before the book game, like, I used to make a lot of money in the streets. But like I said, I wasn't grammarizing because the money I made in the streets, probably, I probably made more than the McDonald's worker within one year. But the time that I ended up doing the ten and a half years, like to catch the turtle all the way, catch it up to the rabbit eventually. That McDonald worker now he manager now he probably owned a McDonald's now he making more money than me. But I didn't think like that. I was thinking like, dang, I just made four to five hundred thousand this year just on the street, just grinding. And so I had to really tell myself like, um, like this is this is what I want. Keep pushing. So I, so Quan ended up giving me a chance. Well, Quan ended up giving me a chance, and then I started having a lot of other major publishers want to get behind me and stuff like that, whereas I decided, I said, no breaks is taking off so so good, and a lot of I do a lot of giving back, and a lot of people hit me up telling me they have a story, and a lot of people hit me up saying, how do they start writing and stuff like that. So one part of me giving back, like I could go give back and go give turkey drive, toy drives, and stuff like I was doing, but like giving back is part of like putting people on in the way of me giving back I'm not just saying I'm just giving back just picking authors up because it's a win-win situation if I feel a person really driving a really person got ambition because my publishing company is going to also win from it too but in the process of giving back it's still helping and motivating and showing like look you can do whatever you put your mind to you can do whatever Mm -hmm. you put your mind to because sometimes it ain't who you are it's who you know and um, and I just signed a few like just doing that. I just signed a few, I believe, talented authors, and I believe like under my guidance. And if they, like you say, straight, stay level-headed and stay consistent and stay grind, they're gonna be doing the same thing. Like they're gonna, it's it's like each one teach one, and together we all grow. So. Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, uh, for you, um, uh, well, just in December, in December, uh, you released um, "To Live and Die in L.A." Part Two, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. And so, tell the folks out there a little bit um, about uh, "To Live and Die in L.A." What what kind of what kind of take place in the stories, and what kind of characters are we going to meet? Well, in "To Live and Die in L.A." It's, it's like I said, it's 85% based on my life story. And the main character is named Dee Bastard. And, and the Bastard part comes from, as I told y'all about a, um, a crew I started uh, within my gang called the Tiny Oak Bastards. So Dee Bastard was the main character. And, 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 and at a young age, he get caught up in the street life. And at a young age, he go to prison, something similar to my story. 
within that time in prison, he decided he wanted to be a he wanted to be an author. Like I say, something similar to my story. Um, and within that time, he's he, he's struggling just to do right. Like he is the, the, without giving a story. Um, DB as as he as they in the story he called for short. He's struggling um, to live right. Like he's struggling to be an author because that's his ultimate dream is to be an author. But the streets don't. The the streets in L.A. You either live right or, or die trying. So it's like to live in down L.A. where basically like this young man he trying to really live right, but he he also get his 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 his, his um alter ego or we want to call it he's always luring him back into a life that he don't want to live. And, it, and he also, he just fighting temptation. It's just the, the battle of temptation. It's the battle of uh, love and happiness. He got a woman that he want to be with. And it, it's just different different obstacles. It's all just so like trials and tribulations a, a young black man um, go through the male riding society in the streets of Los Angeles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, it, incredible books, you guys. And so uh, tell the folks out there where they can go to actually purchase your books. Um, it, it matter what states you're in, like most you get them from any bookstore. Um, you can also online, you know, the biggest um, online bookstore, Amazon. You get them on Kindle. You get them if you got the unlimited, you get the unlimited. Um, also, you can hit me up. We um, hit my website up too, but I got my own bookstores out here in Los Angeles. So if you guys are ever in Los Angeles, you come to one of my bookstores. Um, and just nice. hit me up. I send out signed copies and stuff like that too. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. And um, I know um, we have a lot of aspiring authors and writers who are interested. So uh, what's the process as far as how people, uh, what they need to do um, if they want to come to you about getting their um, books published? You know, the the industry has changed so much. So for 2017, what I was doing is they started a challenge. It was start story challenge, and I was looking at authors myself. And I was just, mm-hmm. you know, looking at them. But in reality, the, our normal guidelines and stipulations is if you want to be a writer, come to No Breaks, you have to submit an inquiry letter about okay. yourself, a, a, a synopsis about the uh, manuscript you're submitting, and your first three to five chapters. Um, and you just have to send that to, um, you, matter of fact, cause I don't know our um, email, but you, you can send, still send it to me, which is nobreakceo at gmail.com. Or um, or you could just hit me up on um, on Facebook or anything saying you want to submissions. What's the guy like to make it easier on you? And my all my social media is Cherry Rosen. Wonderful, and um, of course, um, if of course it's 2017, and so I know that you have a a lot more books to crank out. So, uh, what you got in store next for the readers um, coming up in, in 2017? Well, well, next for the readers, like I gotta um, really like I'm I'm releasing a book on on, on Valentine's called um, When Falling for a Real One um, myself. But right now, like the whole I'm I'm catering like most of this year to my authors, like everybody that's signed to No Break. So like we're gonna we're gonna release a few books like uh, from authors like Bree Renee. We got Al Tariq um, Gaston. We got um, we got Karen Dixon. We got um, Gloria Willer. We got Kelly Jackson and her husband, um, Marcus. Uh, we got the mentors, they husband and wife. They kind of remind me of A and J. I think they might be the next Ashley Jacquez, they husband and wife. Um, oh, wow. We got we got Tanika Turner. We got NS. Like, we also got our executive publisher, Kool-Aid. He's going to be releasing a couple of books, too. 
His name Benny Benny Cool. So that's right now. I'm just dedicating like Wonderful. all my uh, all my time to my authors right now. I'm 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 still yeah. working on a few books myself, but um, to live in down LA is still new. So I don't want to say no releases for me. That's I want everybody to go out there and and and, and, and support and and, and awesome. hop to live in LA part two. Absolutely. If you haven't read part one. That is awesome. That is awesome, 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 awesome. And so um, at the end of the day, um, you know, through your journey of, of the things that you have been through and, and where you are now, uh, what are the ultimate goals um, that you have set for yourself? Well, my ultimate goal is, is just to really to be pictured in within the publishing industry where people feel they could call me and, they could look up to me and, and say, like, Cherry left a legacy behind within this industry and also where I didn't reach back and connected with so many people and helped so many people, whereas, like, like my legacy don't go surpass where I said, like, like I, I helped. Like, I was, I was a giver because there's so much that I took, and I took so much and did so much negative. Like, I don't feel like I need to do positive. I need to show my kids different. So that's the whole right. thing. So my ultimate goal is just to be able to be able to sit somewhere and probably my book's still selling or I didn't build a, a catalog of authors or a catalog of just completely publishing reps or whatever mm-hmm. and, and just mm-hmm. sit back and say, I did that. Like I really contribute. Right. I really gave some positive attribute into this industry, into what right. I have got going. Wonderful. Awesome. That is awesome. And I definitely think you are going to um, achieve everything that you have set for you. Um, as, as Reginald said, uh, a caller earlier in the show, uh, you definitely are uh, very intelligent, very goal-oriented, and I just love your, your vibe for getting out here and helping other people. You know, it's one thing for us to get to where we are um, in life and trying to build our empire, and it's another thing to reach back and help others, you know, build their empires and, and make their dreams happen. So I, I think that is phenomenal and uh, definitely commend you on just getting out here and doing your thing and, and making ch- changes for the better, not for only for you, um, but for your kids, you know, growing up in, 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 this, in these different times and, and so forth. So uh, that is definitely to be commended. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, also, like, like it's, it's, and it, then it's also got to do, like, another thing, like, just with books and stuff, because I got, like, Deneen, like, Jolly, she, like, do my typing, and, like, I'm showing her, like, look, this, this a field you're going to, you can do editing. You went to college, you're a teacher. Yeah. Different stuff you, yeah. you could take from that. So it's not just, oh, it's just, oh, because you're a person off the street. I like you. Like, I got a lot of different people that, that like, right. I never me personally right. I never went to college, but it's still people who work for me that went to college and got right. degrees and right. stuff like that. So it's just not about just giving back to what they call the part of the less fortunate or that. So I wouldn't even say right. like any right. of my authors are the less fortunate, but I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is I just want to be like a staple of, of, of positive influence like right now in my life. Absolutely. That's what I feel like because I believe in the universe of attraction. If you think positive, positive results are going to follow. If you think negative, That's negative right. results are going to follow. What you put into the universe, the universe will return that. So if I'm pushing out into the universe positivity nine times out of ten, I might get some negative negative um, energies tearing right. because I'm not right. the bitter with the sweet, but positivity is going to continue to come my way, and I'm absorbing it and keep right. me back out. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well said, well said. And that's the real goal right now. Like, like you said, like I post like any authors and and 
and if I off the batch, if I get a couple that I see is real serious, and see that's the whole thing. A lot of authors come into the industry, or a lot of people mm-hmm. um, see mm-hmm. a see of me, or like people within the industry, like oh, they make a lot of money. That's a get rich easy scheme. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. and it's not. Right. Whereas it's just like it's like a hustle, and it's a hustle. It's a job, and it's like sometimes right. you still got to keep your regular job. To, for your for your, place, right. for your for your job that you're working, but you got to know how to grind it out. You got to know how to have two jobs because they either pay off Absolutely. in the end. But yeah, a lot of people will look at you and they see the shine, but don't see the grind. And and, and, and that's most of what it is. Like like I named a few of my new authors, but I still got like Stanley James from out of Long Beach, and I got Latrice. Like I got different people that I didn't name, but on the same token, like I'm building a big roster. Whereas we a family, right. and whereas we all evening we all understand that we kicking positivity in the world mm-hmm. because I look at it like this. If I bring an author in and later on down the line that author decides to do his own publishing company and they bring an author in and that author mm-hmm. becomes like the J.K. Rowling or something, guess what? I contribute to that. Right. Absolutely. I contribute to that. Absolutely. So that's how I look at it. Like sometimes it, don't, it ain't just about me. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to be re-releasing some books this this um, this year, but I ain't setting no dates. I'm setting dates for my authors. But like I said, right now, that's, that's really buzzing for me right now. And I need to just keep pushing to Living Dollar Part 2, and I need to keep growing my authors and feel my authors probably online listening and stuff. And I just want them to know, and anybody else knowing that soon to aspire to be authors, like one thing about life, you get what you put out. One thing about life, mm-hmm. if you think it, you can achieve it. One thing about right. life, like um, Reginald said earlier, it's choices. If it's your choice, this is what you want to do, you got to stick to that choice and ride that choice out. Right. Like, you can't rattle right. the head. So another thing about life is you got to stand on what you believe in. If you believe this is you and this is what you want, you're going to stand on it, you're going to believe on it, and you're going to ride it out. And you're going to work, 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 That's work right. till you achieve it. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great advice for the authors and once again tell the folks uh, how they can go about as far as connecting with you on social media well like I said all my social media is my name Terry Rochen T-E-R-R-Y W-R-O-T-E-N so at Facebook you can find me at T-E-R-R-Y W-R-O-T-E-N now you might find a few different pages but you're going to see like my book cover to live in LA part 2 I got another I got another pages Terry L. Rotin, just with the L in the minute. That's my second page because my Facebook got so many followers from my first page, I had to open up another mm-hmm. page. And then, like, I got okay. Instagram. It's the same thing, at Terry Rotin, all together, T-E-R-R-Y-W-R-O-T-N. That's also my Twitter and um, Snapchat and, and all the other um, social media okay. outlets. And then Wonderful. you're on Amazon and just looking for Terry. It's Terry Rotin. You can search it. And my author page and all that stuff will pop up too. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, on Facebook, you could, you could, if you can't get in contact with me, you could get at, you could go to our, um, our um, publishing page, our like page, and just um, mm-hmm. notify us at No Breaks Publishing. It'll get to me if if I don't if I don't get the message. My executive publisher, um, Beanie Coos, will get it. Or somebody within my company to get in and the message to get to me. So it's just okay. just all anything no breaks you can find me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, I I want to thank you for allowing me to uh, delve into your life and, and all that great stuff this evening. It has really 
um, being an eye-opening experience, and I've definitely learned a lot um, talking with you this evening, and uh, I'm looking forward to all of the great things that you have in store and your uh, oh, your thanks. authors have in store, as well as your um, No Breaks uh, Publishing has in store uh, for this year, and uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody uh, on your team do great things, and I definitely hope that Thank you'll you. come back again and, and hang out with me. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, like I say, my authors do kind of good. You probably see one of them, and you probably want to bring one or, one or two of them or three of them on here. You know, this, okay. this is a great outlet, and I want to thank you for having me on here in this platform because, like I say, it, 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 it's hard for us authors really to get our own platforms and people right. to see because, you know, um, to, to to a lot of people, if it don't got nothing to do with, with, with the negative out, outlets and all that stuff with the Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna knock on nothing, but you know, you kind of it's kind of feel like writers. We already have it hard, so we have to band together. Yeah. And when we get outlets like this, I, I applaud and I respect everyone who's 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 given us a, a platform to even to even elaborate on what we have going and different things like that to to tell our truths and, and our stories and to be heard. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely my pleasure, and uh, once again, thank you for coming on here. I hope you have a a great rest of your day, and uh, I'll be talking with you again real soon. All right, thank you, Bianca. Thank you for having me. All right, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you. Awesome, awesome, you guys. That was Arthur Terry wrote, and you guys author of To Live and Die, To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, parts one and part two, uh, and awesome, um, awesome, awesome gentleman. And you guys go and support him and No Breaks Publishing. And I will be sure to put the information on the Beautiful Butterfly Show page so you guys can go check him out, support him, and the things that he is doing. You guys, that's how everybody, you know, works in this thing cohesively. Um, supporting one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. And so big shouts out to Terry uh, for that wonderful interview this evening, you guys. And uh, we're going to be coming back on Thursday, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're going to have Arthur Cordelia Michelson on. Uh, Cordelia Michelson is a romance novelist, so we're going to switch gears a little bit on Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, But once again, thank you to all of the callers on the line listening. Uh, I know a lot of folks are getting off of work and and driving, so we definitely appreciate you guys tuning in to the callers that called in. We appreciate you as well, and uh, to Terry for being so open and so transparent um, about his life and, and what he's learned and just seeing his growth now. Um, it's absolutely amazing. So you guys make sure you go and connect with him on social media as well. So, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here, but I hope I see you guys on Thursday, same time, same place. I am Bianca Fly, and thank you for tuning in to the Beautiful Butterfly Radio Show. We'll see you next time. Somebody needs to do a song for L.A. Straight up. Just to go out to L.A. Uh-huh. New anthem. To live and die in L.A. To live and die in L.A. Where every day we try to fatten our pockets Us niggas hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it Everybody got their own thing coming to chasing Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces Shed tears as we bury niggas close to heart Or was a friend that was ghost in the dark Cold part about it, nigga got smoked by a fiend Trying to floss on a blind to a broken man's dream A hard lesson, court cases, keeping guessing Sleepwalking ain't an option now, so I'm stressing 
forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.